Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Hey, good morning, everybody. Hey, if you want, would you open up your Bibles to Daniel chapter 4? We are in a series right now in the book of Daniel, a slow walk through the book of Daniel. And today, uh, I want to look at Daniel chapter 4. And to, the title of today's message is When God Talks to Us. That's really the frame I want to put around this. Uh, there's a lot of ways we could look at this chapter, but that's the way I want to look at it today. And, and I guess what we'll do here at the beginning, if it's okay, Kate, uh, let's just do the first 12 verses. It's kind of uh, the opening and the setup, so we'll just jump right in. It starts like this in chapter 4. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar sent this message to the people of every race and nation, nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I want you to all know about the miraculous signs and wonders the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how powerful his wonders. His kingdom will last forever, his rule through all generations. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was living in my palace in comfort and prosperity, but one night I had a dream that frightened me. I saw visions that terrified me as I lay in my bed. So I issued, so I issued an order calling in the wise men of Babylon so they could tell me what my dream meant. And when all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers came in, I told them the dream, but they could not tell me what it meant. At last, Daniel came in before me, and I told him the dream. He was named Belshazzar after my God, and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. I said to him, Belshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you. And that no mystery is too great for you to solve. Now tell me what my dream means. And while I was lying in my, in my bed, this is what I dreamed. I saw a large tree in the middle of the earth. The tree grew very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves and was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade and birds nestled in its branches. All the world fed from this tree. We'll stop there for a moment. Uh, this is what's going on in Daniel chapter 4. Nebuchadnezzar is back and he's having dreams again. And this is the beginning of the dream. Uh, and the dream was something like this. Uh, he saw that there was a tree and it was growing out of the earth. And it wasn't just on the earth, but the, the tree was reaching into the heavens and there was food in this tree and there was shelter in this tree and so all the animals uh, had something to eat and there was shelter for them but the next part of the dream is something like this uh, that, that that tree gets cut down and there's a stump that remains and around the stump is wrapped some bronze and some iron be an image of like constraint in some ways and and then then it gets kind of weird then the dream gets a little fuzzy uh, Nebuchadnezzar says, 
I saw the dew of heaven fall on the stump, but he kind of changes the language. And when you read it, you'll, you'll notice this strange switch. The dew of heaven fell on this stump that has become in some ways a stand-in for a person. And it, it fell on them for seven, seven, seven passages of time. And, and we don't know if that's seven years or seven seasons. And, and, and so this is the dream that Nebuchadnezzar has and he takes it to his wise men and enchanters, and they can't tell him what it means. And he gets Daniel, and Daniel says, well, I, I know what it, it means. And, you know, King, I really, I really wish that it wasn't about you. I wish, it was about, I wish it was about your enemies. I wish it was about someone else. And Daniel tells him a few things about the dream. He says, Nebuchadnezzar, you are that tree, that tree that's growing from the earth into the heavens and has all this splendor, all this food, all this sustenance, uh, all this shelter and shade, all of this uh, house, all of this comfort, all of this way of being. Uh, you, are this, you are this great tree, but you're going to be cut down and you're going to be humbled for seven periods of time. And again, we don't know if it's seasons or years. And Daniel says, you're going to eat grass like an ox and live like a wild animal. And, uh, and then eventually after that passage of time, after that passage of time, your mind will come back to you and you won't live like a wild animal anymore. But I, I want to put up verse 27 because I think this is important. In verse 27, this is Daniel to, to King Nebuchadnezzar after he's told him what the dream means. He says this. He says, look, please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor, perhaps then you will continue to prosper. And so I wanted, to, I wanted to highlight this to us because Daniel receives this dream not as an absolute, but as, as something that, that very well could happen. And Daniel shows Nebuchadnezzar that there might be a way out. And he also highlights this idea that perhaps some of what's happening in this dream is judgment because, because Nebuchadnezzar has not remembered the poor. So that'd be part. But I want you to notice here, that, that, there's a, that there's a sense in which that, that a, a clear word from God in a dream is still, is still open and that the future isn't completely settled. Okay, then I want to go to verse 28 through 31. We're just kind of like quickly walking through the story here and then we're going to back up. So Daniel tells him the dream, then he says, hey, you know what? If you'll just remember the poor and give up your wicked ways, like come to Yahweh, let go of these other gods, maybe you'll still be doing well. But look at verse 28, very next verse. But all these things did happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, he was taking a walk on his flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon. A couple things here. Uh, how many of you have ever had maybe a dream or a word from God or something significant, and it resonated with you for a few days, but then the passage of time goes on, and what do you do? You just forget it, don't you? You forget it. And here we have Nebuchadnezzar. That's exactly what happens. We have 12 months, 12 months passes. 12 months passes. And he's out on his rooftop bar. He's, he's having a gin and tonic. And he's looking out over the commoners. And as he looked out across the city, he said, look at this great city of Babylon. And notice these words. By my own power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. 
by my own power. Uh, a couple of things that you would need to know maybe about Babylon. Uh, number one, Nebuchadnezzar did not build Babylon. Uh, Babylon existed for at least 2,000 years before Nebuchadnezzar showed up. So part of what we see in this story is, number one, Nebuchadnezzar has forgotten the poor. And number two, Nebuchadnezzar has become arrogant and prideful uh, to the point that he's beginning to rewrite history. And isn't that what pride and arrogance always does? It puts us at the center, doesn't it? It puts us at the center of things that we're not even on the periphery of. And while these words were still in his mouth, in his mouth, verse 31, a voice called down from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are no longer the ruler of this kingdom. And how many of you know uh, that if you don't listen to God in a dream, he might speak to you more clearly, right? There's a couple moments in this passage where God speaks. Okay, now I want to Fast forward to verses 36 and 37. Uh, everything happens as Daniel said. Everything happens as the dream said. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar uh, basically loses his mind. So imagine the leader of a country losing his mind. And Nebuchadnezzar lived out in the wild and he ate grass like an ox for seven passages of time. And then suddenly one day he gets his mind back Verse 36, he said, when my sanity returned to me, so did my honor and glory and my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out and I was restored as the head of the kingdom with even greater honor than before. Look at verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the king of heaven. His acts are just and true. Look at this. And he is able to humble the proud. He's talking about himself. It's actually one of the strange things about uh, Daniel chapter 4 is that Nebuchadnezzar is actually the narrator in this chapter. It's very weird. Uh, there's some things to say about that, but we'll let that go for another day. So there's the whole story. Uh, a tree gets cut down. Uh, that manifests as Nebuchadnezzar losing his mind. He, he loses it for a good long while to the point that he's out living like an animal in the open for, let's say, seven years. And then God gives him his sanity back and he comes back to be a leader. And he says, you know what? I was proud. I was arrogant. And God is God and I am not. There's the story. But here's what I want to do to you this morning. I want to talk about, I want to talk about the God who wants to talk. And here's the outline this morning if you're taking notes. And we'll just leave it up for a minute. I want to talk to you like this. I want to talk to you about talking God. Uh, then I want to talk to you about to anyone through dreams. I said what I said and communal understanding. That'll be the way we unpack it this morning. Number one, talking God. Uh, I, I think the first frame to put around this passage is that God wants to talk to people. Uh, the opening of the Bible, the opening verses of Genesis begin with God creating the heavens and the earth uh, with words and not by thinking, not with ideas. God is, God is a speaking God. And here's what it means that God is a speaking God. It means that God is fundamentally relational. Uh, that's why the doctrine of the Trinity is an essential Christian teaching. God is a happy community within himself, Father, Son, and Spirit. And, and language and words only happen within the context of community and relationship. It's God's relational nature that makes him a speaking God. Uh, the reason 
that you and I have uh, the gifts of language that we have is because for thousands of years, human beings have lived in community with one another. If, if we were not communal, communal beings, we would, not have, uh, we would not have language. Language emerges as a, as a, as a really a, a, a physical manifestation or a, or a in-this-world manifestation of the connections that hold us together. That's, that's the way it works. And it's the same thing with God. The relational God, he relates, and he, he does so by, by speaking. God is given to communion. And, and so whatever notion we have that God is distant or uninterested or uninvolved in our lives is fundamentally at odds with the picture of God that we have in the Bible. Like even this morning, you might be thinking, God is a million miles away from me. Not so fast. It might feel that way, but God is actually near to us and he's moving toward us. And, and God's voice and his words... Well, they're used for the purpose of relationship, for like establishing relationship, uh, also for making relationships right, for mending, and, and for setting us on the right course. So number one, God's just a talking God. God is a talking God. Number two, to anyone. Uh, not only does God speak, um, but he does speak, and he will speak with anyone, up to and including pagan oppressive kings. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar was not a holy person by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar was not a good person. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, especially within the context of the Bible, uh, was not only pagan, but he was oppressive. And he was not only oppressive, but he was oppressive to God's own people. God's own people. The, the whole Bible is written uh, by and, and largely for the, the Hebrew people. And, and here we have the guy who goes in and ransacks Israel and destroys Jerusalem and, and overtakes Judah and, and, and he takes all of their best people. He conscripts them into their service. That's who Daniel is. And he carts them off thousands of miles away and he says, you, you work for me now? And, and it's that guy that God chooses to talk to. It's that guy. Even, even after he had become acquainted with Yahweh. Remember in chapter 2 he had a dream that Daniel interpreted? Yeah, he became acquainted with Yahweh. And then in, and then in chapter 3, there's that whole fiery furnace thing. So, so he's waking up to the fact that there is a God. But by chapter 4, how many of you know, he still doesn't care. Literally doesn't care. And, in its, and it's to the uncaring, pagan, oppressive king that God will speak to. God will speak to. It's a fascinating detail. Here's what it means. It means that God is most likely talking with all kinds of people that might surprise us today. You know, God is not just talking to pastors or people who lead home groups. Like God is talking to all kinds of people. Uh, God is talking to people at work that you and I do not get along with. Like maybe even the people we don't like. Uh, God is talking to people who hold different politics than we do. God, God is talking to people who send above a reasonable threshold for the week. You know, some people are very good at sinning. And maybe they really went all in one week. Maybe, maybe you did. And here's what you need to know. Not only is God a talking God, but he will talk to anyone, up to and including people like Nebuchadnezzar. And here's why that's good news. If he will talk to Nebuchadnezzar, he will talk to you and I. God wants to relate to us. 
uh, even people who have spent their whole lives thinking that God is not there. He is reaching out through dreams. Number three, and one of God's favorite ways to speak is through dreams. And this is still true today, by the way. Uh, how many of us in the room are regular dreamers? And I'm not talking about daydream, like I'm thinking about the future, but like you go to bed and then you have a dream. Anybody here have that? Here's what I want to tell you about this. Um, some of your dreams are from God. Not all of them, but some of your dreams are most likely from God. And we see this is all over the Bible, all over the Bible. Uh, do you guys remember all the way back in Genesis? Remember that guy named Joseph? Remember that Joseph came downstairs and went to breakfast one morning. And he's like, hey guys, good news. I had a dream last night. This is what I dreamed. I dreamed that there were 11 stars and they all bowed down to this one other star. And then I, then I dreamed that the sun and the moon also bowed down to this star. And I just wanted to let you guys know. And one of the things I love about this story is immediately Joseph's brother, his mother, and dad, they what? They know what the dream means, don't they? They're like, so we're going to bow down to you, right? And they become offended. And this becomes one of the details that kicks off this really abusive relationship in Joseph's family and gets him thrown into the pit. And then he's carried off to Egypt. And who does Joseph meet in Egypt? None other than Pharaoh. And what does Pharaoh do? He has a dream. And he needs somebody to tell him what his dream means. And Joseph is there. And, and who is the dream from? It's from God. And again, it follows this exact outline. God is a talking God. He'll talk to anyone up to and including pagan oppressive kings like Pharaoh and Nebuchadnezzar. And he does it through dreams. And then if you fast forward uh, into the New Testament, you get to the story of Jesus, the birth of Jesus. Mary goes to Joseph and says, you know, Joseph, I'm pregnant. He's like, surprise to me. And she's like, it's okay. The Holy Spirit did it to me. And he's like, I don't believe you. And you, re you remember that part where Joseph's like, I'm just going to divorce her quietly. But before Joseph divorces her quietly. God comes to Joseph in a dream and says, Joseph, don't get rid of this woman. What is happening is the Holy Spirit, you should stay with her. And he does. Like God is oftentimes speaking through dreams. It's common in the Bible and it's actually common in our own lives. And there's a few amazing stories I could tell you. In fact, I will tell you one that just came to me. I totally forgot it. I'll just remember this one. Uh, this is when I first became pastor here. It was a long time ago. I first became pastor here, and for the first year and a half that I was pastor here, uh, there, were, there were a couple people here who had the spiritual gift of punching me in the face every single Sunday. I don't know how to describe it. And, and maybe you've experienced people like this. Have you ever, anybody here ever had someone who was just in your life and, and emotionally, spiritually, and relationally, their job was to punch you in the face, right? And, and there, were two, there were two people. It was wild. I've never experienced this in my life up to that point or since. And I didn't tell anyone. I, I didn't tell anyone. I was just like, this is awful. But I didn't really tell anyone. And one night, one night, Heather has a dream, and this is the dream she has. She says, Adam, I had this dream. And the dream was, you kept going to the closet and putting on new, different clothes. And then you would come out, 
And then you go back to the closet and put on different clothes. And every time you went to the closet and put on different clothes, you became crazier and crazier looking. Rather than becoming more ordered for your day, you became more disordered. And she said, that was the dream I had. And I'm like, oh, really? I'm like, well, what do you think it means? And Heather came to me and she said, I think God is saying to you, do not change. Whatever the external pressure is right now that is trying to get you to be somebody you are not, do not change and do not listen to it. Now, I had not told her what had been going on for over a year, right? Like, God is commonly speaking to us through dreams. Commonly. And some of us in the room might be thinking, well, why does God talk to us through dreams? Well, here, here's my best thinking on that. When you're asleep, this is just what I believe. When you're asleep, you're most vulnerable to God. How many of you know that during your day, you, can, you, you get up, you take a shower, you make coffee, you get the kids ready, you, go, you drop them off at school, or you go to school, or you go to work, and then you open up your email, and there's 78 emails, because it's Monday, and 30 of them are not fun. And then you do your emails, and then you're hungry, and you go to Jeff's, and you get a BLT, and then, and then by the time you get back, you've got a Zoom, and then you go to soccer practice, and then you have to cook dinner, and then by the time you get dinner cooked up, uh, you put a kid to bed and then you are exhausted and you go to sleep and there wasn't a moment that the talking God could get a word in with you anywhere. Does anybody know that? And here's what I believe. I believe oftentimes God is talking to us in the middle of night because it's the one time when we're actually vulnerable to him. So look out. God wants to talk. He'll talk to anyone, including you, maybe through dreams. Uh, number four, I said what I said. Uh, God wants to speak, and he'll talk to anybody, but let the reader understand, we don't get to determine what God is saying or assume that he'd only say one thing to us or, or to assume that he'd only say one kind of thing to us. Uh, in this passage, God is speaking, and he is going right after Nebuchadnezzar's pride and apparent lack of concern for the poor. I have to say this because sometimes in charismatic churches like, like ours, uh, we assume that God is only coming to encourage us in a particular kind of way. Uh, in, in fact, there's like even sometimes some teaching around that. Like, you know, God just wants to come and he wants to encourage us. He just wants to affirm us. I want to tell you, God does want to encourage you. He does want to affirm you. And sometimes the things he wants to say to us are not necessarily initially in the encouraging and affirming uh, category. Sometimes his words to us are challenge and correction. Uh, the New Testament says that God disciplines the children that he loves or God corrects. The, I've been thinking about this actually a lot this week. God corrects the children uh, that he loves. And, and I've been thinking even, even uh, of myself as a parent. I've got four kids. And if you have a kid, uh, you know this. Or even if you don't have a kid, you've been a kid. And if you had a parent, you, you probably know this, right? Like there are moments when we come to our children and, and we, we don't offer first just an affirmation. We offer first, hey, I need you to listen to me. How many times as a parent have you ever looked at your kids and say, look at my face, look at my face, look, look at my face. This is how you know it's coming, right? Look at my face, at least in my house. Look at my face. Yeah. Like sometimes, sometimes God wor God's word to us Sometimes God's word to us is conviction. And I want to say something about conviction and condemnation. God never comes to con condemn. 
He often comes to convict. Often comes to convict. And by the way, there's a key difference between conviction and condemnation. It's very important. Uh, condemnation, condemnation sounds and feels like I'm the problem. Conviction would say you have a problem. Condemnation says it's never going to change. Conviction always comes with the hope that things could change. You'll feel the invitation, you know? And so, so sometimes God wants to speak to us. Maybe it's through a dream or some other way. And, and some of what God would want to say to us might come in the conviction category and we need to be the kind of people who can be open to it and will know it's conviction and not condemnation when there's the hope for change. And if you listen closely, what you'll hear is you'll hear that you have a problem, not that you are a problem. None of God's children are ever a problem. All of us have problems. That's just the way it goes. And so some of what God wants to share with us might be challenge. God wants to address the most dangerous things happening in our lives. Like any decent parent would go to their children and go, hey, pump the brakes. How many of you have ever had to have a talk with your friend who was maybe making just a string of bad choices? How many of you have ever sat down with a friend in the middle of a string of bad choices and said, hey, because I'm your friend, I need you to pump the brakes. I'm really concerned with where this is headed. Anybody ever had that conversation? Yeah, that's right. All right, number five, communal understanding. This, this might be one of my favorite parts of the story. Uh, God speaks to Nebuchadnezzar, but Nebuchadnezzar does not understand what it means. In fact, he's troubled by it and he has no clarity. Uh, he reaches out to his wise men, Still no answers, but Daniel knows and Daniel delivers. And this is such a wonderful picture of what hearing God's, light, hearing God's voice is like for us most of the time. Like God wants to talk to you. He is most likely speaking to you now. Uh, he is possibly speaking to you in this season through dreams or maybe, maybe impressions or maybe prophetic words from other people. Uh, but here's what I want you to know we almost always will need someone else to help us discern what God is saying to us. Like Nebuchadnezzar got the dream, but he didn't understand it. He needed Daniel. And in the church, in the church, none of us are the voice of God and none of us perfectly understand the voice of God or even the will of God in our lives. And it's communally discerned. As I grow older as a pastor and as I grow older as a as a Christian, one of the things that I've learned through the years is I rarely fully understand what God is saying to me, and I really need other people, other people in this room to help me understand what God is speaking and leading me in in a particular season in life. Uh, and, and here's why we need that. Um, we need other people, or maybe even several people, to help us figure out what God is saying because it's really hard to see ourselves and our lives for what they really are. Human beings have this way of, of living life while being simultaneously blind to our own selves. You know, sometimes, sometimes we get stoked and we say that God is talking to us, but maybe it's just the caffeine. You know, uh, how many of you have ever had a moment like that where you just, you drank a pot of coffee, you had like three ideas and you closed your Bible study that morning and you went out the front door and you're like, I know what God is saying to me. 
Well, maybe, but maybe it's just caffeine. And this is why we need other people to help us discern what God is saying. Or, 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 maybe, or maybe, maybe we think God is talking to us, but really it's the anxiety of another part of our lives manifesting as God's leading. It happens all the time because we don't really know ourselves. We don't really know ourselves. Or maybe you've heard things like this. I just want to unpack this for a moment. How many of you have in the room have ever heard something like this? Um, go where you have peace. Like this is God's voice to you. Go where you have peace. I want to tell you, maybe that might be God's word to you. And, and oftentimes, oftentimes go where you have peace is 100% not God's word to you. I want you to know this. Go where you have the peace. It's a nice sentiment and it's oftentimes dead wrong. Go where you have peace might be God's voice and his leading or it could just be my own avoidance. And we need other people in the community to help us discern this. We need other people who know us, you know? Sometimes sometimes go where you have peace is just avoidance. And here's what I mean by that. Like maybe there's the nine-year-old version of you the nine-year-old version of you who got put in a highly anxious moment. And the only strategy you had as a nine-year-old because you didn't have, you didn't have big emotional tools, you know? And so as a nine-year-old, the only, the only emotional tools you had to survive were to avoid, right? So let's imagine, let's just imagine this for a moment. Let's imagine you have an alcoholic father who is maybe fairly angry, Right? And maybe as an eight, nine, and 10-year-old, what you learn is what? Don't make dad angry. Well, how do you not make dad angry? Avoid him. And, and, and then all of a sudden you learn all the topics that you can't talk about, right? Or all the things you can't do. And so what ends up happening is at a very deep place inside, we become avoiders. And so all of a sudden we'll, we'll pick up this maxim at some point, maybe at church, you know, go where you have peace. And you're like, yes, that perfectly aligns with everything I've been doing my whole life. I need to go where I have peace. But how many of you know that the avoidance strategy of a nine-year-old who doesn't have the emotional tools to deal with things is actually really unhealthy as a 20, 30, 40, and 50-year-old person who sometimes needs to move toward conflict. Oftentimes, God's voice to us is going to lead us towards difficulty and towards conflict. Notice I'm saying towards conflict, not creating conflict. Towards, sometimes we need to move towards conflict. This is actually God's voice to us. And by the way, if you're an avoider, if you're an avoider, and if God is speaking to you, and if you've adopted a maxim like, go where you have peace, you will miss the voice of God 90% of the time, unless you have some other people in your life, you need a Daniel or two who are going, you know, I've noticed a pattern in your life that you typically want to avoid everything. And I just wonder if instead of this interpretation, I'm wondering if maybe this is a season where God is leading you to move towards it. Right? Right? Like imagine, imagine if Daniel had been an avoider with Nebuchadnezzar. You know? Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, this is about... Your enemies. Instead, instead, what Daniel says is, this is not about your enemies. And, and by the way, I'm afraid, I'm afraid this is about your wickedness and the fact that you haven't cared for the poor. Right? Like sometimes what we need is the 360 view of other people. Sometimes the mature thing is to move towards 
the thing that's uncomfortable. Sometimes we have an idea or a thought and we get very jazzed and it feels like God is speaking to us, but maybe it's just the chemical buzz of a new thought. I'll just tell you this about myself. Like one of the things I love to do uh, and one of the things I'm best at is I love having staff meetings where we think about new stuff. Or I love being in high-level meetings with other really good leaders where we think about the future. Like that is my absolute sweet spot. Like you need ideas, I'm your guy. Like, and not only, not only do I love having new ideas, but when I get new ideas, especially if I get one I'm really stoked on, it, I feel it in my body. I'm like, I walk out and I'm like, this is great. And, and I'll tell you, as a younger person, I would come out of those moments where we're thinking about the future and I'd be like, this is what God wants us to do. I just know it. And what I've learned as a 44-year-old person is it might be God or it might just be the chemicals that I'm receiving in that moment because it's really fun for me and it's my sweet spot and that's what I'm good at, but it might not actually be God at all. Here's what I've learned over the years. Uh, Give that meeting three or four days and bring six or seven more people into it. That's what I've learned. I've learned take my meetings to Jeremy Charlo. He will shoot holes in all of my ideas. You need it. And in that kind of an atmosphere, you learn what God is really saying to you. You need some Daniels in your life. The Bible says that success is in the counsel of others. The New Testament says that gifts are given to the body. Uh, Paul says that one person has a tongue, but another person has a what? The interpretation. No one has the tongue and the interpretation. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, let prophets speak, let a prophet speak, and then what? Let the other prophets see if it's any good. Yeah, like in the New Testament, discernment for the voice of God never rests with one person, up to and including me. Up to, like I don't decide what is the voice of God here at the vineyard. We do. We do. We do. We listen together and we discern together. Same with hearing God. We get, a, we get a piece, but we have to go to others for the bigger picture. Okay, what about today? What about today? Well, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that God's probably speaking to some of us. And not just like here this morning. Maybe he's begun to talk to you this morning, but maybe you're just in a season where God's been talking to you. Maybe you've had some dreams. Or maybe you've been reading your Bible and, and something is coming alive in you. Or maybe, maybe you've had a prophetic word. Or, or, or maybe, maybe there's just life circumstances seem to be changing and it feels like the Holy Spirit is leading you in a new way. Uh, here's what I would like to say to those people that, today. Maybe this is a moment, uh, like a season, this week, this next week. Maybe this is a season to include some other people in what you think God is saying to you to discern is this God? Like which parts are, are my chemicals? Uh, which parts are the caffeine? And which parts are the Holy Spirit? Like take your dream to a couple people. Which parts were the pizza? And which parts were the Holy Spirit? You know? I think that'd be a thing to do. And then, and then here's what I was also thinking today. I, I was also thinking there's probably just some people here today who need a word from God. And we'd want to pray with you because God wants to speak And he doesn't just want to talk to Nebuchadnezzar and Pharaoh, but he wants to talk to regular people like me and you. So if you're in the room today, why don't you stand up? We're going to pray. And if you're on the worship team this morning, why don't you come on up? We're going to sing one more song.
Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.